So John chapter three is our beginning. But I want to I want to set this up by using a verse that you're going to hear a lot as we talk about the kingdom of God. And when we talk about the kingdom of God, don't don't let the kingdom of God be a scary term or a term that just becomes repetitive in your mind. It's it's a very powerful thought. It really means the rule and the reign of God. How many of you think that in the earth we could use a little bit of the kingdom of God? Let your kingdom come, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So when we say the kingdom of God, we're not just talking about a doctrine because I think we have limited the kingdom of God and not just the kingdom of God, but so many things in scripture to just doctrine when they were never meant to be just doctrine, they were meant to be experienced. So the kingdom wasn't something we just say, okay, I believe that, check that. No, it's an experience that we have. And so when Jesus begins his ministry, Matthew chapter four and verse 17, he makes this powerful statement. He says, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The word repent there is just change of mind, change of mind, change my mind. I change my mind leads to a change of heart that leads to a change of direction. Repentance, very simply, it's a change of my mind that leads to a change in my heart that leads to a change of direction. And the reason Jesus would say this, Matthew, he's, he's speaking to Jews. He would say, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And he wouldn't go on to explain the kingdom of heaven because he, because he would believe and know that the Jews would have a practical understanding of what he's talking about. But he uses the word repent because he says, unless you change your mind about the kingdom of heaven, unless you change your mind, you won't be able to receive it because you cannot receive what you don't perceive. So he says you have to repent. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. And the reason he says the kingdom of heaven, he doesn't say repent for Jesus is here. Repent for salvation has come. It's because there, there would have been an understanding. First of all, this understanding would have been that God is king over all of creation. Psalm 10 and 16 says, the Lord is king forever and ever, and the nations perish from his land. Second Chronicles chapter 20 and verse six, O Lord, God of our fathers, are you not God in heaven? You rule over all the kingdoms of the nations. In your hands are power and might so that none is able to withstand you. Hezekiah said this in Isaiah chapter 37, verse 16, O Lord of hosts, God of Israel, enthroned above the cherubim, you are God, you alone, of all the kingdoms of the earth, you have made heaven and earth. Simply put, God is king of the universe. Do you believe that? So we first understand God is king of all creation. Second, we understand that the Old Testament even portrays God as king over his special people, Israel. In 1 Samuel, though, chapter 12 Prophet Samuel actually rebukes Israel because Israel is demanding that they have a king like the rest of the nations of the world. And Israel rebukes them because he said, God is your king. <laughs> Why do you want a king like, like the world has when, when God is your king? And I think, I think God would rebuke us in the same way today. That we would look for hope in the kings and presidents and rulers of this world and not realize that we have a king, he is God, and he is God alone. And what does God do? God actually is so so kind and gracious, he grants their request knowing that it's gonna be to their detriment, and for years and years and years, Israel suffers under 
humans. <laughs> Some of them are decent. There's every now and then there's a Josiah, there's a Hezekiah, but most of them are terrible. All of this pointing to the fact, third, that Jesus has come to be our one true king. He has come, and unlike all of the failures of the Old Testament, he will not fail, and of his kingdom, come on, there shall be no end. So those are just three basic understandings we need to have of the kingdom, and when Jesus comes and he says, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand, this is what he's talking about. So John chapter three, John chapter three, and we're gonna start in verse one. John chapter three and verse one. If you guys could throw that up there. Is that up there for you guys? Awesome. Let me get there because I don't want to turn my, my back to you. John chapter three. And actually, is that New King James? Let's read from there. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. You guys will have to kind of jump ahead. It takes a second. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God for no one can do these things that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered and said to him, most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And Nicodemus said to them, to him, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I say to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes and you hear the sound of it, but cannot tell where it comes from and where it goes. So is everyone who is born of the spirit. Nicodemus answered and said to him, how can these things be? Watch this. Jesus answered and said to him, are you the teacher of Israel and you don't know these things? In other words, have you studied what already has been revealed, and you don't know this. Have you studied the Torah and the law and the prophets, and you don't know this? And he says, most assuredly, I say to you, we speak what we know. This, he's talking about him, God the Father, God the Son, and Jesus, the Word. We speak what we know and testify what we have seen, and you do not receive our witness. In other words, Jesus is saying, there's things I want to say to you. There's things I've witnessed that I want to tell you, but you can't receive it. If I had told you earthly things, if I've told you earthly things and you do not believe, how will you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended to heaven, but he who came down from heaven, that is the son of man who is in heaven. And Moses lifted up the serpent in, as Moses and as Moses lifted up the servant in the wilderness, even so must the son of man be lifted up that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. And here comes the most famous verse in the whole world. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that through him the world might be saved. Can you say amen? Father, we thank you for your word today. We ask that over these next few moments, you speak so clear to our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, amen. Amen. First thing I see in this John chapter three, as Nicodemus comes to Jesus, the Bible tells us there was a man of the Pharisees. He's a, he's a learned man. He's an educated man. He is a Pharisee. Um, and he was a ruler of the Jews. He wasn't 
just one of the students and an understudy. This was a ruler of the Jews. This man, the Bible says, came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God. How, how do you know that, Nicodemus? Watch what he says. Because no man can do these miracles that you do except God be with him. In scripture, teaching and doing are synonymous. Teaching and doing are synonymous. They are literally one and the same. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, we understand that the apostle, when he says this, he says, my message and my preaching were not with what? Wise and persuasive words, but with what? A demonstration and power of the Spirit. So in other words, the Bible was never just something to be taught. Scripture, scripture was never just something to be understood. It is something that is imparted. So it goes beyond all human revelation. All human understanding does scripture in the sense that when you teach scripture, it's not important that you just know the subject by learning, but you know the subject by experience. That's why a lot of times you have, you've seen people teach or preach and you thought, wow, that, that was interesting, but nothing really shifted in your life. Nothing change nothing there was nothing that happened to you because you can not in the kingdom you you cannot teach and impart what you don't know as experience for yourself you can't take people where you have never been in other words our worship team would be unsuccessful this morning if they came to you and tried to reveal a presence to you they had never been in an experience they had never had Sometimes people wonder, how is it possible to come to church every week and the presence of God be this strong and this available? It's because the people that are revealing his presence and revealing his power and revealing his word are not just talking about something they read in a book somewhere. They're talking about something that they have experienced with their own life. Teaching and doing are synonymous in Scripture. So I, I, I don't just come to you this morning with a, a lesson to teach you. I come with a power of spirit, a manifestation of spirit to demonstrate to you. Does that make sense this morning? So our teaching was never meant to just be information, but impartation. So he says, you are a teacher come from God. Why? Because nobody can do what you do. It's not just nobody can say what you say or say it how you say it or talk about it. How, no, nobody can say what you say because nobody can do what you do unless they have been sent from God. There's no authority. Listen, there is no authority to reveal what you haven't experienced. That's why people say, well, what do I say? The, the Bible tells me I should be a witness and tell people about Jesus, but I don't know a whole lot of scripture. That's fine. God doesn't want you to go around talking about stuff you haven't experienced yet. But if you have experienced salvation, 
You could talk about that. I once was blind, but now I see. I once was lost, but now I'm found. It's that simple. You have the authority, the authority to reveal what you have experienced. What Jesus has done for you. I like what Paul says in Ephesians 3, 18 and 19. He says this. He says, I want you to experience a love that surpasses knowledge. I want you to experience a love that surpasses anything you could ever read about in a book, anything that you could ever go to college for, any, anything that you could ever get a degree for. I want you to experience a love that passes all knowledge. It goes beyond knowledge. See, see, there are a lot of people in the world that want us to prove that God exists. Show me God. Teach me somehow through his word. Convince me through his word that he exists. And, and I get that. And, and I see the relevance of that. But I also understand this, that unless you experience him, you'll never truly know him. You have to, you have to experience him. You, you, you need to experience a love. See, it's, it's one thing for me to, to tell you God loves you, but it's another thing for you to experience God loves you. It's, it's one thing for you to know, yeah, yeah, God loves me, but it's another thing for you to feel his presence overwhelm you and when you're at your lowest and when you're at your worst, to, to have his love explode in your heart and know that even though nobody else cares about me right now and nobody else is for me right now and nobody else sees where I am right now, God sees me and knows me and his love is revealed in your own heart. You need to experience, experience him. And he said, remember he said to, he said to Nicodemus, he said, you're the teacher of Israel and you don't know these things? See, Nicodemus had an education in scripture that was unmatched, but he, he had religion, not relationship. He had religion, not relationship. And so, again, he, he says, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no man can do these miracles that thou dost except God be with him. And Jesus answered him, and he said, I say to you, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Do you see how, do you see how that connects? You, so in other words, Nicodemus is saying, I've seen you do miracles. I can see that you are a man of God. But Jesus says, unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. So seeing the kingdom of God is more than just seeing supernatural things. Seeing the kingdom of God is more than just seeing Jesus do supernatural things. Seeing the kingdom of God is more than just coming to church and, and, and feeling a goosebump or seeing a, a miracle or witnessing eyes be open or witnessing someone give their life to Christ. Seeing the kingdom is more than seeing a miracle. It's, it's more than just seeing Jesus do miracles. Seeing the kingdom is about seeing the supernatural Jesus at work on the inside of you. I don't want to just see Jesus doing supernatural things for other people. I want to see Jesus, the supernatural God of heaven and earth, doing supernatural things in my life. And so I, I can't see those things unless, Jesus says, unless I'm born again. Unless I'm born again. Born again is such a powerful word. He, he goes on, such a powerful uh, 
combo of words because he goes on. Nicodemus says, how is it possible when I'm old? How can a man enter into the womb for a second time and be born? And Jesus says, that's not what I'm talking about, (laughs) because unless a man be born of water and of the spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Can I tell you here this this statement is is one of the most hotly debated verses in the entire Bible. People have fought and and denominations have been started and churches have been split over this verse right here. Uh, People look at this verse there. There there are about three different interpretations. There are more, but they all all of them kind of boil down to three of this scripture. The first one is that when Jesus says born of the water and of the spirit, some people uh, attempt to use this as an opportunity to say that unless you are baptized, you cannot be saved. That is clearly not what Jesus is saying. So if you're here today and you say, I haven't been baptized, am I saved? Have you confessed Jesus Christ as Lord? You say, yeah, well, you're saved. Do I need to be baptized? Oh, absolutely. Jesus commanded it. The disciples did it. Jesus did it as an example. Jesus didn't need to be baptized. Matter of fact, when when John was approached by Jesus and Jesus said, John, I want you to baptize me. John said, I can't baptize you. Are you kidding me? I'm not worthy to baptize you. Now watch this. I, I, I want you to see this. When John baptizes Jesus, John didn't baptize Jesus because he was qualified to do it. He baptized Jesus because he was commanded to do it by Jesus. If you're waiting to be qualified before you do anything for God, you'll never do anything for God. (laughs) It's it's not your qualifications that set you up to do things for God. It's the command of Jesus that sets you up to do things for God. You are not qualified because you have a history. You are qualified because in doing, God qualifies you. Okay, that's, that's a whole different thing. But he says, unless a man be born of the water and of the spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. The second interpretation of that would be that the water there is talking about the same water that Ezekiel was talking about. In Ezekiel chapter 36, when Jesus is using this prophet to declare a word, he talks about, he, he says this, I'm going to come and I'm going I'm to sprinkle you with water and make you clean. And then I'll give you a new spirit. So water and spirit are used together many times in Scripture. And so some people understand this to mean that this is the twofold work kind of uh, of of the regenerative act of Jesus and that Jesus is going to come. He's going to cleanse us from our sin and we're going to be born new. We're going to be born new creatures in Christ Jesus. So that's that's a possible understanding. But can, can I just tell you, I just think he's talking about being born from your mama. I just think it's I think when he references water here, I think he's talking about he's talking about being born once of your mother and then being born again of the spirit. Why do you think that, Rob? Because the next verse, he goes on, he says that which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the spirit is spirit. So except a man be born of the water and the spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh. That which is born of the spirit is spirit. So marvel not that I said unto you, you must be born again. And then he says, the wind blows where it wants and you hear it, but you can't tell where it came from or where it's going. So it is of everyone that is born of God. Let's talk about a couple things about born again and then the spirit. 
First of all, you can no more make yourself born again than you could conceive yourself the first time. I love that Jesus so many times, and we're going to talk about a lot of different just kind of natural examples in the Bible. Jesus would use natural things to reveal something spiritual. That's why he would say to Nicodemus, if you can't understand what I'm saying to you in the natural, how in the world are you going to understand things that are not of this world, that are spiritual things? And so he uses this basic term. He says, unless you are born of the water and of the spirit, and so, so first of all, we understand about being born again is this. I can't make myself born again. No more than I could have conceived myself the first time. That's a massive statement. Because you have nothing to do with your salvation. Ephesians says you're saved by grace through faith, not of works. Watch this. I'll give you, if you're looking for a verse, let me help you out. First Peter chapter one and verse three. Blessed be the God of our Father, of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us. Do you hear that? He has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Unless you are born again, you must be born again. So what he's saying to Nicodemus is this. Nicodemus, all the religion in the world cannot cause this to happen in your life. All of your study, all of your discipline, all of your law keeping cannot replace the need you have for a new birth. Not more religious activity, not more zeal. You need a new, you need to be born again. How does that happen? The Bible tells us that no one can come to the Father unless he is drawn. A lot of people in this room think, man, I I made the decision to follow Jesus. I did it. And I, I hear what you're saying. I hear you got up out of that seat and Maybe you came forward or maybe you raised your hand and maybe you raised the, you know, you said the prayer and you, you closed your eyes and raised your hand and said that prayer and went to the next step table and, and you did all of those things. I get, I get that. But the reality is this, you wouldn't have even been led to make that decision of your own accord. The spirit of God leads you to make that decision. You cannot come to the Father unless you are drawn. <laughs> Matter of fact, the main responsibility of Jesus, the Bible tells us, is that he is to, re- of, of the Holy Spirit, is that he is to reveal Jesus. So the Spirit's activity is to reveal Jesus to you. And then you're like, but no, 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 no. I, but what about my faith? Bible tells us it's been given into every man a measure of faith. Do you realize that there's the faith that you expressed in God? It's not even your own. Galatians tells us I've been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life I now live by the faith 
of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So you're like, I did it, I did it. No, you didn't. Jesus did it all. And if there was any faith for you to make a decision for Christ, it was given to you and he drew it out of you. It's all God. If you are going to be born again, it's going to be a work of God, a work of the Spirit. Can we this morning agree that I have nothing to do with my salvation? I have nothing to do with it. The new birth is not the improvement of my human condition. It's not... I, I, when, when God saved me, he didn't, he, didn't like, he didn't pick me up and dust me off and say, you know, get out there, buddy. You can do better this time. That's, that's not what he did. I'm a new creature in Christ. I didn't get a new and improved version of Robbie. I got a brand new version of me. The Bible would describe it this way. It would say, you don't take an old garment and put a new patch on it. Why? Because the garments aren't compatible. One is new, one is old. You don't take new wine and put it in an old wineskin. You get a brand new wineskin and you put the new wine in the wineskin. And so what I'm telling to you is God, when he saved you, he didn't do patchwork on your life. He's made a brand new you. The apostle Paul could look at people and he could say to them, receive us. The New Testament tells us he would walk into towns and he would say, receive us where we, we have wronged no man. And I'm thinking, wait a second, Paul, you were Saul. You wronged a lot of people. You put a lot of believers to death. No, when I start new in Christ, everything becomes brand new. So that means when I come to Christ, I'm not a victim of my past. I'm not a victim of my circumstances. I'm not a victim of my family history. I'm not a victim of my race. I am a child of God. All things are new. I've been born again. Thank God for my mom. Thank God for my dad. But I have been born again into a higher level. I have been born not just of water, but now I have been born in the spirit of God. I'm born in the spirit. That's why I'm now seated with Christ in heavenly places. Because I don't live with an earthly perspective. I live with a heavenly perspective. Sometimes we pray and we pray from, from earth to heaven as if we're trying to reach out and get God. I don't need to reach out and, and grab something I'm sitting with. I'm not praying from, oh God, please, please do something in the earth. God, no, let your kingdom come. Let your will be done as we're experiencing it now in heaven. I am now seated. That's why Jesus said you got to repent to get the, to understand the kingdom. You, you, you must be born again to understand the kingdom. And we're trying to understand the kingdom through our earthly mindset and through our natural understanding. He says you can't see it that way. 
You've got to repent. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. The only way to see it is you must be born again. Watch what he says to, to Nicodemus. He, he says, Nicodemus, let's, let's go to verse 12. He says, no, verse 11. He said, I say to you, we speak that we, we speak things that we do know and testify of things that we have seen and you receive not our witness. And then verse 12, he says, if I told you the earthly things and, and you believed and, and you believe not how, you don't get it. How shall you believe if I tell you of heavenly things? In other words, what Jesus is saying, there are things I want to say to you, but you're not ready for them. There are things I want to reveal to you, but you're not ready for them. The only way to understand them is to be born again. Jesus would even say the exact same thing basically to his disciples. In John chapter 16, he would say this. He said, I've got so much more to say to you, more than you can bear. But when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears and he will tell you what is yet to come. He will glorify me because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. All that belongs to the father is mine. That is why I said the spirit will receive from me what he will make known to you. In other words, God is trying to say to you, when you are born again, all that the father knows, all that the father experiences, all that he understands, it belongs to you. It's yours. It's yours. It's yours. There is so much about God that you're missing out on because you're limiting him to your earthly understanding. There's so much about God that you're missing out on because you just refuse to receive him by the spirit. And God is saying, if you'll become a spiritual being, you can receive spiritual things. The fleshly mind, the earthly mind doesn't understand spiritual things. And you're like, but God, I'm not educated. I don't have the back. It doesn't take all of that. All it takes is to be born again. The Bible says you now see the kingdom. Don't tell me you can't hear God. You had to hear God to be saved. You can hear him. You can talk to him. There's a spiritual life that's waiting for you. There's a heavenly life that's waiting for you. Don't get so caught up in the earthly that you miss the power of of being a new creature in Christ Jesus, you have been given access to see the kingdom of God, the rule and reign of God in your life. Will you stand with me? Romans chapter 14 and 17 tells us, remember it says, for the kingdom of God, it's not meat nor drink, but it's righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Righteousness just means freedom from sin. Freedom from sin. Peace means freedom from torment. Joy in the Holy Ghost. That's a powerful thought. What is that joy? The Bible tells us that laughter is like a medicine. In the presence of the Lord, there's fullness of joy. To me, joy is, is health. To me, joy is not just health in my body. It's, it's, it's not just health in my, my mind. It's, it's, it's health in my finances, health, health in my marriage, healthy relationships. Because I've, I've, I've not had money, but I've had joy. She so says, 
the kingdom of God. And so what, what Jesus is, is trying to say, there, there, there are things that I want to talk to you about that can only be revealed if you're born again. You can only see it if you're born again. If you're born again, you have access to see the kingdom of God. And what I want you to see, I want you to see freedom from sin. I want you to see freedom from torment. And I want you to see freedom in your health. Can you say amen to that? That's what I want you to see. But you can't see it unless you're born again. And some of you, 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 have, you have been born again, but you have limited your experience. And God is saying, there's so much more for you to see. So that's why we not only pray for the kingdom, but we seek it. He said, when you seek me and you seek me with all your heart, you're going to find me. That's what this past week of fasting and prayer has been about. Seeking the Lord so that we can see him more clearly. Does anybody need to see the Lord more clearly in 2018? I need to see him more clearly in 2018. Father, in Jesus name.